Welcome to the Negative Positive Podcast, episode 351. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman. Coming to you from a snowy Louisville, Kentucky. Supposed to get uh, a lot of snow this week. And, uh, you know, I hate it. I hate it. But hey, if it's going to be cold, I'd rather it be snowing. At least it looks pretty outside, right? So I got that to look forward to, I guess. So, all right, this is kind of the, you know, the solo show, listener interaction show. So let's get on into it. Uh, got some uh, a cool thing in the mill. It is from Mr. Alan Ma, and uh, he sends me this zine called Seascapes. What is Seascapes, you might ask? Well, it's a little uh, zine from a little collective out there called the, the Pixels and Grain Collective. And uh, these are uh, some Australian shooters that uh, shoot a you know, little hybrid shooter, shoot some film, shoot some digital. It's all good. And uh, so they send me this zine. Uh, let me just uh, a little intro here in the first page here. It says, 2020 Seascapes. This book documents the memories and adventures of the crazy morning shooters in 2020. Covering the beaches of Sydney, we witnessed spectacular scenes and shot them during the Sydney coronavirus lockdown from around May to November 2020. During this time, we bonded and formed a support group to encourage creativity, adventures, and a growing pile of new gear acquisitions. (laughs) We also shared many great laughs and memories along the way, culminating in one of our most epic adventures, climbing up 300 plus steps to a lighthouse at sunset, carrying beer and gear, only to face a rain lightning storm and somebody, pictured left, there's someone there in the picture, forgetting his SD card. (laughs) Here are the best shots from the collective. Shot on Andu Pinhose, Hasselblads, Hasselblad, Chroma 4x5, Fujifilm, Leica, Sony, Canon, Mama Mamiya, Minolta, Olympus, and Rico Pentax. Uh, working man's camera. Sorry, Nikon. <laughs> Capturing our vision and appreciation for these beautiful moments in a tumultuous year. I'm amazed at the work produced and sometimes can't believe we were uh, shooting at the same locations. From our friendship has grown an artist collective, Pixels and Grain, at pixels.grain on Instagram, where you can find our future projects. That's from Alan wrote that. And uh, so, yeah, this is a, a really cool zine of, of their uh, their shooting experiences together. And what a great idea, like, uh, you know, getting a little collective to go out, uh, to find that many people to go out uh, and regularly and shoot in the, in the, uh, the butt crack of dawn. Uh, it's pretty amazing, and I can imagine uh, some some good, you know, photography bonding uh, in that kind of situation. And uh, this, this scene is beautiful. It's a mixture of uh, black and white color and uh, uh, film shots, digital shots. There's sprockets in here. There's pinhole photography. Uh, it's just the whole gamut of uh, of uh, all the cool stuff you want to do in photography, right? Uh, in this uh, in this scene, the, the photographers include uh, Mr. Bill Two. We know him. We love him. In fact, I think uh, uh, Alan once referred to uh, this uh, Pixels and Grain Collective as actually more the uh, the Bill 2 fan club. So, uh, <laughs> unofficial title, I guess. So, uh, other photographers are Christopher James, uh, Vince Chow, Adrian Chung, William Woon, Adam Tuck, and of course, Mr. Alan Ma. And uh, Alan sent me this uh, this zine of this their, their beautiful work, Seascapes, uh, uh, C-Scapes uh, is the name of the zine. And I recommend you check this out. Uh, get you a copy of this and, and and maybe you can start your own little collective in your town or your area to do something similar to this so what a what a unique ideal and uh, uh I, I i think i said ideal right idea <laughs> people have been getting on me about that <laughs> so uh but you can you can follow the pixels and grain collective and i'm sure on one of these uh, avenues pick up your very own copy of this beautiful zine uh on instagram at pixels.grain on twitter uh at pixelsgrain uh, the website is pixelsandgrain.photo.blog. Uh, so there's a, a couple of places you can uh, check out these guys, what they're up to. And uh, matter of fact, on the, on the back page here, in the, the little last page, it says, We hope you enjoyed this glimpse into our uh, ISO landscape adventures of 2020. We will try... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. ISO landscape adventures. I guess I mean like isolation, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> adventures of 2020 we will try to continue this into 2020 2021 with bigger better projects and hopefully another zine we'll need new gear though to fully express ourselves properly of course <laughs> well naturally naturally uh we wish you and your families and friends um uh ha- have a safe happy 2021 my uh, cat back here is coughing up a hairball <laughs> i don't know if you can hear that or not <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, please check out our work. And again, this Instagram, pixels.grain, uh, Twitter, pixelsgrain, website, pixelsandgrain.photo.blog. 
So uh, very, very cool. Thank you so much, Alan, and all the uh, fine photographers in the Pixels and Grain Collective for uh, sending me this zine. And uh, folks, check it out and check out their work on, on any of those social uh, avenues that I, that I mentioned. So. Okay, uh, next thing I want to get out is the dad joke competition is obviously done. We have all the jokes in. I think we end up getting like 30 total. And uh, I, um, I'm, I'm formulating how to figure out the winners, the three big winners for that contest that will win some awesome prizes from Mr. Ken Bertram. Um, so I'm going to reach out to Ken, possibly Ken if you're listening to this, see if maybe he wants to judge him because, uh, you know, it's uh, he's the one uh, came up with this idea. Maybe maybe he should be the judge or if he wants us to find somebody else or we'll, we'll figure out something, but I'll get something in the next couple episodes uh, to, to kind of wrap that thing up and get some prizes, some awesome prizes out to uh, the three best dad jokes that we got in that competition. Uh, what else here? Um, okay. Uh, I kind of, I forgot to play this uh, back when he first sent this in to me. This is actually like an Instagram message that I kind of had to edit together. So it's kind of choppy, like, because it wasn't meant to actually be played on the show. But I edited, edited together because I think uh, he makes a really good point. Uh, it's Juan Alatori. Uh, was kind of uh, sending me like a little voice um, uh, memo on Instagram uh, through the direct message on Instagram about my focusing issues when I was complaining about missing focusing so much and a lot of my Florida shots last year and uh, you know kind of been struggling with fo- focusing quite a bit uh, I almost said something else besides focusing but <laughs> that could have came out wrong uh, focusing <laughs> uh, quite a bit having issues with it so he sent me a little word of advice particularly when I was talking about having focusing issues with the uh, Pentax 6-7 and just miss, missing focus a lot on that so uh, uh, let me go ahead and play his little um, what he sent me about uh, uh, his thoughts on my on my focusing issues this is Juan Alatori Mr. Gutterman uh, listening to episode 338 and I'm hearing the problems that you're having with your focusing uh, medium format I want to say that my suggestion to you is uh, I've had problems in the past with that uh, but but most of those issues are with longer focal lengths like I would be shooting my Canon 70 to 200 at 200 millimeter uh, 2.8 and so you center focus uh, with the center point but then you recompose and because the focal plane is so shallow and and if you're at a slight angle once once you move that lens you're out of focus even a hair so if you were stopped down a little bit it wouldn't be that much of a difference because you'd have more depth of field but because you're so shallow so you got to be really careful on how you tilt it where you tilt it uh because once once you're in focus uh you move that lens and it's it's gonna take the uh, focal plane off the eye uh, so my recommendation is using one single point, but use a single point to closest to the to the eye. So if you, if you're able to move your 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 one focal point, uh, you know left or right, up or down, uh, just move it to where it will be closest to the eye. Then you could focus on it and uh, and don't have to recompose as much. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Juan Alatori, for the uh, the advice there. I, I, that totally makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, mostly my issues were with the Pentax 6.7. I was using the 105, the famous 105 millimeter 2.4 lens. And hey, you know, that lens is famous for its shallow depth of field at 2.4. So, uh, you know, I, I'm guilty. I, I put it on 2.4 and uh, <laughs> that makes a real shallow depth of field. But, you know, it's kind of the look that lens is famous for. But I could stand to stop down a little, <laughs> a little bit on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to always shoot it at 2.4. It's just, hey, I got 2.4. I got to shoot it at 2.4, right? I mean, that's, that's what you got to do. But uh, apparently, uh, my eyes aren't good enough to <laughs> maybe be uh, hitting focus on 2.4 as much as they should. So I need to probably go, you know, F4 uh, or, or, or even uh, maybe a little, a little smaller than that. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Uh, I got I to get rid of my ego on this, I guess. So, uh, but uh, a very good, uh, good, good point there. I think, that, you know, when I'm trying to, uh, particularly on like one of my uh some of my uh one of my cameras has like a central point uh focusing and so yeah when you focus that center point on the eye and then move the camera uh a little bit to like recompose 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 for uh, uh the you know the portrait framing you want you know with a really shallow depth of field you are kind of changing the, the 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 you know the field that's actually in the the, the, the focus plane uh, sort of so yeah i can see where that's, that's probably a good part of my problem so uh thank you juan for calling out my uh, my, my my blunder my goof 
So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. You can see Juan on Instagram at Juan.Alatori.photo. That is J-U-A-N dot Alatori, A-L-A-T-O-R-R-E dot photo on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much, Juan, for the, the helpful advice there. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of uh, listener interaction here, so I think we're going to be able to get in like two uh, call-ins on this show. So uh, we're going to start with, uh, we'll get one in right now. I'm going to go with um, Mr. Alex Morrison. Uh, he sends in a call-in about the uh, Intrepid Enlarger. So let's hear what Mr. Alex Morrison has to say about the Intrepid Enlarger. Hey, Negative Positives crew. This is Alex Morrison with a call-in Enlarger review uh, for the Intrepid Enlarger kit. Um I'll talk you through what I did for the, the whole process first before I get into the uh, the meat of the enlarger itself. Uh, this is the first time I printed since I was about 15, so it was a uh, return to the darkroom after a very, very, very long, uh, long break. The way I printed, uh, I don't have a dedicated darkroom space, so the way I printed was I uh, converted my bathroom temporarily into, uh, into a darkroom. Um, my bathroom has got two quite big windows, well one window, one big skylight. So I taped those over with aluminium foil and uh, brought in a table, which actually turned out to be comically large for the bathroom itself, brought in a table to uh, sit my enlarger in. The enlarger set up on the Intrepid uh, on a tripod, what would have really helped me would have been a geared head or a, um, a pan tilt head rather than a ball head. Ball tilt head was a bit of a pain if I'm perfectly honest to uh, get set up uh, with everything square but once I managed that and then the next challenge I had was to work out how high the enlarger needed to be to uh, to get everything and um, how far away the lens board needs to be from the the back uh, standard in order to get everything into focus. Um, I'd assume that it would be the furthest away point with my 80 uh, millimeter enlarging lens um, turns out it needs to be the uh, the closest in point to uh, to screw the lens board uh, to screw the front standard rather into the uh, the baseboard uh, but once i got that figured out and um, dropped the enlarger down quite a lot to uh, to get the five by or to get printing on the five by seven paper then uh, everything came a lot easier uh, but that probably uh, wasted half an hour 45 minutes of uh, me trying to work out what height the enlarger needs to be so that i think is a well it's probably a mark on me on on my um lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge of how high and how big and enlarger needs to be um, rather than a knock on the Intrepid kit itself. The Intrepid kit, it's the uh, the light tied into a power source tied into a timer. Uh, that works really nicely. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a faff and a bit of a hassle to get everything set up. But once you work out what you're doing, I think the next time I print, I've only printed with it once, but the next time I print um, will be an awful lot quicker to get everything set up. The prints themselves came out really nicely. Um, I managed to get the uh, the room properly light tight, which was something I never managed to do as a as a 15 year old. Um, so my whites were white, my blacks were pretty much black. Um, and when I compare them with the prints I made uh, 25 years ago, 25 or more years ago, um, the, there I got everything a decently muddy shade of grey <laughs> rather than uh, whites and blacks. So I'm really pleased with how the prints came out. Um, over the course of four hours, maybe five hours, including uh, set up and tear down time um, I got four prints which I was pretty pleased with uh, that involved dodging burning uh, for one of them um, I used a two and a half grade filter for all of them so the uh, the next my next challenge for um, going into the dark will be to work out what effect the contrast filters have because uh, I was being you know, very much in beginner mode uh, and just seeing what I could get uh, this first time but the prints came out well I'm certainly going to um, mount and display the the first one I made, first darker print, it's got to be done. Um, but that's also the one that I uh, burned in some of the, the highlight areas in order to just get a bit more detail on that. And that worked really nicely, so I was pretty pleased with that. Um, overall, would I recommend this kit? Yeah, absolutely. If you've already got a large format camera of any kind that's got the uh, graph lock back on it, then yeah, this this, this is a great thing to have to, uh, to tie into it. Um, I did use a dedicated larger lens, but you can just use the whatever lens you're taking the photos with. Um, I've not tried that yet, but it would be quite satisfying, I think, to use the same camera, same lens, um, same everything to take and then print a photo. Uh, that, I think, would be quite a cool thing to do. Um, so, yeah, that is my experience with the Intrepid Enlarger Kit. I really enjoyed using it. Um, I got some decent kit, decent prints out of it as an absolute beginner. 
Um, so if I can do it, anyone can. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Alex Morrison, for your call-in of the Intrepid and Larger. And that sounds like a, a really interesting piece of kit there. Uh, it's amazing the, the cool stuff that's come out uh, for analog photography over the last several years. And, and that uh, uh, truly is a, another great example of that. And so, yeah, much like Alex, if I ever, if and when, uh, I think it's more more of a win. I don't think it's necessarily an if. It's probably, it's on my, like my retirement bucket list, I think. <laughs> Things that I need to, uh, hobbies I need to get into uh, when I have a little more time on my hands. Uh, I think uh, darkroom printing will be one of them. And, and much like Alex, I'll have to use a, turn a bathroom into a makeshift darkroom. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it's nice to hear when people have to do that because that would be my situation. Uh, not the not 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 the not the if but the when I finally do some darkroom printing. Uh, for now, I'll have to get my uh, darkroom printing uh, uh, Jones out by uh, begging Mr. John Gregory here in Louisville, Kentucky, from the A Light and a Dark podcast uh, to try to you know go over and and, and just bum bum some use of his darkroom and I, so I can, get, I can get it out that way I guess. So John, I, you hear that? I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to hit you up again whenever uh, um, you know this stupid COVID gets out of the way. So. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Alex Morrison is on Instagram at Alex Morrison 35. That is A L E X M O R R I S O N 35 on Instagram. So check him out. Uh, thank you so much, Alex, for the call in. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. And after the break, after the little break music, uh, we're going to have another, um, another uh, wonderful solo show interview from Miss, uh, Mrs. Roxana Angles. Uh, she's, uh, you know, in her series of interviewing uh, women photographers, women film photographers in our community, uh, she brings us yet another uh, installment in her, her her little continuing series here uh, that she's going to be interviewing uh, Radka uh, Smolikova. And uh, so let's listen to, uh, after this break, we'll hear Roxana Angles in her interview with Radka Smolikova. So uh, uh, enjoy that right after the break here. on New Year's Day and I have the most special guest. She is very far from the US and she's one of the first film photographers that I was connected with when I first started film. So I'm very excited to introduce her. Her name is Radka Smolikova and how are you doing today? Hey, uh, I'm really great today. It's first New Year, hopefully better than the last one. <laughs> yes, I know. Hopefully a brighter one, 2021. <laughs> yes. So, Radka, where are? Tell me about where you're from. Tell the listeners, really. Uh, I'm from Prague, uh, Czech Republic. Czechia, maybe now more people know it by this name, but. I like better Czech Republic and I live in Prague. It's a capital city, most beautiful, historical, nice. Oh, from your photographs, I am just so envious of where you live and where you travel to. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. And you probably make it a million more times amazing with you. You have a way of making everything so magical and dreamy. It's like you make everything enchanted. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> how, how did you get into film photography? Uh, it was uh, back in 2014, I think, uh, and I saw commercial, I think, on Facebook back then, uh, and there was Diana F Plus, uh, which was a plastic box. I was like, what is that? So I looked into it and I found Cholomography and bought the Diana right after, and that's how it all started. 
Wow. And, and you have a presence on Lomography. They have such a great social media platform. Did you join them when you bought your Diana? Yeah, right. Yeah, right away, right away. And I saw all the people and all the photos. It was like a whole new world to me. Yeah, it's such a kind community. I really, I think that that's one of my favorite social media platforms um, is Lomography. Right, I agree. It's just amazing how many people you uh, meet there and talk to and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I know. And I, you know what I love also about them is how they highlight newcomers. It's like you could be completely new and they're highlighting you right away. You're not like just trying to be like found. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember your article there, right? With the boots. On the yes. <laughs> yes. And it was almost right away after I joined. I was like, what is this amazing <laughs> community? It really, they warm my heart. So, but, so what, why do you, why do you shoot film? So, so much fun, you know, um, I need some kind of creative um, process or like um, um, all those I mean, drawing and this kind of stuff uh, takes too long for me and I just, it uh, feels that uh, photography is kind of faster, but still you uh, can create whatever you want with it. You know, you can uh, choose different films, choose different cameras and all of this. So that's the main reason. And also I love the outcome when you actually get the photos in your hand and see all of that. And sometimes it's just amazing sometimes it's crap but that's part of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> sometimes you get blank rolls and sometimes it is crap that's for sure I've experienced that many of times <laughs> right me too <laughs> and you print your work because one of the first things that we started doing was print exchange and the listeners know how much I love doing print exchanges and yeah. you do that and it's amazing yeah it was, yeah, I, I sent so many um, postcards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whoever wants to send me something, just let me know, okay? <laughs> you I will send you some. I still have a <laughs> You know, that's something that the listeners, I have so many that love print exchanges, and uh, I'm sure that they'll take you up on that, Radka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, all right. I know that you've been, we've been going back and forth and you've been saying how you want to get into um, large format. Have you been able to do that yet? Uh, uh, not yet, but it's coming to, uh, I have, I will start with um, 3D printed camera, which is already printed. I just have to assemble it and uh, start sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see your work on there. So besides large format, what's your favorite film format? Oh, it's, I think with me, it's a really good mix. I like both. Mm -hmm. um, but this last year, 2020, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my favorite camera is uh, was uh, Pentagon 6. So maybe last year it was... Uh, 120. Yeah, yeah, and the the work that you know, I I already wrote it. I wrote and published a piece about it, and you know, when I do that, I insert the the photos and the ones that you have done. I can tell the quality is just beautiful. And if you haven't seen Radka's work, it is truly a dream. It's like she pulls you into this alternate reality of an enchanted land of where she lives. It's just beautiful, Radka, what you do. Um, so much. <laughs> it really blows it's, my it's, mind. <laughs> it's a courtesy of, of the Lomochrome purple, right? <laughs> a little bit of it. It's just amazing film. It is amazing film, and you utilize it to its fullest potential. That's for sure. And 
thing. And you know, some of the photographs that you submitted to me too have that like it's the bluish ones where it looks like a castle of some sorts, and it's like these. Yeah, yeah. It was, I believe it was Tungsten uh, sixty four, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was developed in E six. But I'm not sure right now, but it was it was a long expired film, so maybe that's why it was so blue. Oh, that blue was just enchanting. I loved yeah. it, and it really went well with all of your Lomo work. That's just like a whole set that I hope that you do another zine, because the zine that you, she, um, Rebecca created a zine that was, it was your trip to the United States when you came here, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. And right. then you did this really cool format where one side was, was it Metropolis? And the other side was oh, the Lomo purple, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you flipped it around, it was like upside down. It was like, depending on what side, there was no uh, back cover. It was like both the front covers and mm -hmm. flipped the zine. It was the coolest. Do you still have copies of that one? Like, do you sell that? No, I don't. It was just a few copies for me and for friends. But I still have a few. I think like five or so. So yeah, I can send it to anyone who wants it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Honestly, those ones you should sell because it was a beautiful format. I really haven't seen a zine made in that um, in that way before where it was like flipped on the backside. It was really neat, and it was really neat seeing your perspective. Um, you know, it's funny, I think that we were even in New York around the same time and we weren't able yes. to connect. <laughs> I know, I remember uh, we missed each other just by a, just a moment of time. I, I believe you had some uh, plans uh, so we couldn't meet, but we were there at the same time. The same time, same city. It's just amazing yeah. how small this world really is. <laughs> <laughs> And something that you do with other film photographers is you do film swaps. Tell mm -hmm. me how you started doing that and what you like about it. Tell me all about your. Uh, it was swaps. quite. Yeah, it was quite early uh, when I started with film photography, and I was contacted by a um, male friend. Um, Jenna Bloombecker, I believe, or Mia Bloombecker, one sisters contacted me to do this. And also before that, there was someone else before it even. Um, Brazil uh, or Portugal. He was the first one actually. And we did this film swap with um, uh, Lomographies, if you know that one. Mm -hmm. the, the panoramic camera. So that was the first one, and we just uh, send each other a film. We both shoot uh, a layer, and then we have uh, two layers atop, and it's crazy results. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> and colorful usually, and it looks amazing. Sometimes it can come out so bizarre and sometimes it's just such a beautiful <laughs> mix of like all these different lands. So, and for anybody who doesn't know what a film swap is, it's like what Radka said. It's like you shoot a whole roll, you send it to a fellow film photographer and they shoot over it and then you get results that are um, it can be just all over the land. We even have done it. I did a film swap with Radka and I really loved the, um, the work that we did together on it. That was a fun role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always a big surprise, you know, because when you do like normal double exposures, you can pretty much, uh, you know what you shot and you can do the second one to create something specific, but this is just a um, total surprise. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm jonesing for a new film swap, Radka. So <laughs> whenever you have time, you let sure. me know and we'll do it again. <laughs> okay. I can wait. <laughs> Start shooting. 
It's on. <laughs> I know the last role we did was so fun. And I think that it's actually on our Lomography account. So we'll have to, we'll, we'll share with you our, our Lomo accounts at the end of the show. So okay. uh, I have, uh, if you had one film, one camera and one location that you could shoot, what would it be? Well, uh, definitely the purple film. You already know that. <laughs> uh, and like I said before, I will like Pentagon 6 and where to go. Um, that's a hard question, but I would love to see all the places all over the world. But right now I was supposed to go to, um, to New Zealand or Australia before this pandemic happened. So I would say Australia. Oh, I would love to see Australia dripping in Loma Chrome purple. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> How fun. I love that. I, I would love to travel to Australia or New Zealand. That, it, that would be magnificent. So uh, mm -hmm. I know that when I started film, three years ago, something I love about the film community is how helpful everybody is. And, um, and they don't make you feel bad about asking questions or, um, and I just, I feel like even now, if I make a mistake and I need help and seeing, oh, my negatives are looking this way, what do you guys think? Everybody is just so helpful. And if you had a new film photographer ask you advice, what would you say to a new film photographer? What would be your best piece of advice for them? Um, it's, you know, just, uh, first of all, I absolutely agree with you. The community is just amazing. And uh, when I first got into it, it was, um, I pretty much found everything online and I, spoke with many people but first of all you just you need to have fun it's just so much and um, don't be afraid to experiment try different films try different cameras find what uh, you like what's uh, good for you what, what's um, what kind of photography you enjoy and just go for it yeah I really like that piece because it's really about having fun and you know, I always like breaking all the rules. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, sure. laughs> <laughs> like, That's part of the fun of it. And, you know, something that you said earlier, Radka, about having all of the different film types and you have all of these different palettes to play with. And, you know, it's just about, you know, seeing what you like and having fun, you know? So. Exactly. Is there anything else that you want our listeners don't be to Yes, just uh, don't be afraid. You will like fail many times, but <laughs> all the best you can get, you will get because it's just, it's really awesome. Exactly. And how many times have we had like happy mistakes too? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Accidental, <laughs> amazing photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, while uh, dropping your camera or something like that <laughs> exactly oh my gosh exactly it's like your camera pops open and there you go you have a really fun light leak <laughs> <laughs> that happens <laughs> that happens to me with the like, blast oops, cameras <laughs> yeah oops <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Oh my gosh. I, I think one time I, I even washed a roll of film. It was in my pocket of my pants and it went through the washing machine. <laughs> film soup. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool film soup, no? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I need to try that again on purpose. <laughs> Throw a little, put it in with the whites with some bleach. I wonder what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, well, it has been so amazing uh, 
kept, well, one, talking in person, Radka, because we have yeah. always connected back and forth. And uh, your work, like I said before, is just so beautiful. And I really would love the listeners um, to, to go on your page, look up your stuff, go on to the Lomography site, because sometimes on the computer, all of your work that's on there is in a bigger format um, rather than Instagram also. And um, so where can everybody find you online? Um, it's it's either uh, Lomography website, which my um, username there is Smolda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then it's uh, Instagram with Radka.Smolikova. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'll do is I'll also have it in the show notes um, where they can find you. And also um, I'll put a link to the article as well, which has uh, many more questions that I actually asked. It's just for the sake of time, I couldn't do all of them right now. But you'll be able to get a really introspective view on um, Radka and her her life overseas, and uh, it will be so, I, I, I think that you really will enjoy her work. So everybody in the NPP land, stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> That's it. Thank you so much, Radka. Thank you for having me. back for the final segment and a huge thanks to mrs roxana angles uh and uh radka smolikova for uh joining us for that little solo show interview always uh love what Ro roxana is doing interviewing women photographers in the film community and a huge thanks to uh, to radka for you know, spending some time with us and uh, letting us learn a little bit about her process uh let's see here uh, roxana always forgets to uh you know give her give herself a little plugs uh, on these on these episodes so remember check out roxana on instagram under roxana log or uh, galonixor wow uh, Galonic Zor, uh, which is just Rock's Analog, Rock's Analog backwards. So uh, uh, the two accounts you can check out, uh, uh, Mrs. Roxana Angles uh, on Instagram as well. Roxana, you got to remember to, to you know uh, give yourself a plug too. So uh, <laughs> all right, uh, but uh, thanks for that that interview, Roxana, and thank you again to Radka Smolikova. So check her out as well. Okay, uh, and uh, also the, all the all of Radka's. Uh, uh, Oh, shoot. Uh, socials will be in the uh, show notes as well. So uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Let's, I got time for uh, another uh, call-in. So let's uh, we're in two, two call-ins on this show. So let's get into uh, the next one. Uh, this one will come from none other than Mr. Malcolm Myers. And he's going to be talking about the Olympus 35RC. So let's listen to what Malcolm Myers has to say about the Olympus 35RC. Hello, Mike, Roxana, and Andre. This is Malcolm Myers and this is my beginner's guide to rangefinder photography with the Olympus 35RC. If you're new to film photography, you've probably got yourself a film SLR and that's a great way to start. They're very versatile, millions of them were made and you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a decent picture taking machine. But soon you'll start to hear about another type of camera. The sort of camera that the cognoscenti of film photography talk about in hushed cerebral tones. I'm talking about the rangefinder. You may start to wonder what a rangefinder is and search for one to try out. However, you'll very soon find that the cameras that are synonymous with rangefinder photography are the Leica M cameras. Unfortunately, you will then find that they come with a hefty price tag, especially the lenses, and so your dreams of graduating to rangefinder photography may come to an abrupt halt. There are alternatives, of course. When I went looking for a rangefinder that wasn't a Leica, I ended up getting a Voigtländer Besser, and that's an okay camera. However, after I bought my Besser, I then found out about a little gem of a camera that I think is the perfect way to start out in rangefinder photography for not a lot of money, the Olympus 35RC. 
Firstly, though, a little bit about Olympus, and in particular, a man named Yoshihisa Maitani. I shan't give you a full bio here. There's an excellent one on the Casual Photo File website if you want to read up on him. Long story short, he was the head of camera design at Olympus for many years and is credited with creating some of the best small cameras ever made. In particular, the haptics and lenses on all these cameras come in for high praise. He was responsible for the OM series SLRs, but my favourites are his compact cameras. The Olympus XA series, the Olympus Mu series, I prefer, happen to prefer the one over the two, a slew of pen half-frame cameras, the ubiquitous Olympus Trip 35, and in amongst these and other greats, the Olympus 35RC. As an aside, I never set out to collect small cameras, but almost by accident, I now find myself owning nearly a dozen small Olympus cameras, with barely any from any other manufacturers. So the Olympus 35RC certainly comes from a strong bloodline. That's a horsey term for any Kentuckians who might be listening. In the hand, the 35RC is not much larger than a pack of playing cards, although it's obviously somewhat deeper. It's got a fixed 42mm f2.8 lens. That might seem like an oddball focal length, but no. The normal focal length lens for any film format is generally agreed to be the diagonal of the film size. So 35mm film is 36mm by 24mm, and Mr Pythagoras tells us that the hypotenuse is just over 43mm, so someone's maths homework wasn't wasted. As it happens, 42mm is also logarithmically halfway between 35 and 50mm. I know, with conversational skills like that, it's a wonder I ever kissed a girl, isn't it? Anyway, enough of my nerdy numericity, back to the camera. You open the back by pressing a little clip at the bottom on the left-hand side and not by lifting the rewind knob as in most cameras. Loading film is straightforward and you set the film ISO between 25 and 800 by rotating the front of the lens. You can also see a small window on the front of the lens that the meter sits behind. This is powered by a PX625 cell in the bottom of the camera. There's a silver ring on the lens barrel where you can choose from four options. Flash mode, A for auto, off and f-stops from 2.8 to 22. So you either choose your f-stop for manual operation, a for shutter priority operation, or off for off. Just make sure you leave it in the off position when not in use, or you'll run the battery down. The shutter speed dial sits on the top, but it really is the only weakness in the camera, as it only goes from 1 500th of a second to 15th of a second and bulb. I'm not entirely sure why they chose such a narrow range, but given that many small cameras of that era are limited to one or two shutter speeds, perhaps it's not surprising. There is a hot shoe if you fancy go with a small flash. Set the guide number on the lens barrel, turn the silver dial to flash, and away you go. Although I have to admit, I've never tried it myself. The good news is that because this has a leaf shutter, you can use an electronic flash right up to the top speed of 1 500th of a second, so great for fill flash on a sunny day. The 30th of a second, marked in red, is for correct synchronisation with flash bulbs. Not that anyone uses those anymore. The shutter button has a thread for a cable release and there is a self-timer lever on the front of the camera. However, it's often the case with older cameras that self-timer levers can cause problems, so do be warned. So far, so normal. So what are these rangefinders that I've been going on about and why are they so special? Well, it's a different way to focus a camera. Instead of through the lens via a prism and a mirror as on an SLR, there are two windows on the front of a rangefinder, one clear and one obscure. Look through the clear one to frame your picture and, on the 35RC at least, you'll see a small yellow frame in the middle and a ghost image that is off-centred. As you move the focusing ring on the lens, you'll see the ghost image moves from side to side. When it covers the yellow square in the middle, the ghost image effectively disappears and your picture is clear. You have achieved correct focus. Simple, no? Well, not always. Some people find rangefinders difficult to focus, and my tip is to try and focus on something in your picture with a strong vertical line, like the edge of a building perhaps, or perhaps the edge of someone's ear. The other thing you notice in the viewfinder is that it contains both shutter speed across the top and f-stop information along the bottom. Very neat. If you under or overexpose an auto mode, the f-stop needle moves all the way over to the left to a small red marker and the camera refuses to take a picture. It's sort of helpful, but it can be a little bit annoying too. Of course, you can always just use the camera in manual mode and it'll take a shot. Using a rangefinder is, well, it's different from using an SLR. There's always, there always seems to be a bit of artisanal craft in getting the focus right. And because you're not looking through the lens, there's no option to stop your lens down and check your depth of field. Also, the viewfinder in an SLR usually shows less than 100% of what the negative sees. In a Leica or a Voigtlander rangefinder, it usually shows more. 
In other words, as you're looking through the viewfinder, you can see what is out of frame and press the shutter as your subject moves into frame, although in the 35RC there's not a lot of extra space around the frame lines. This is probably why rangefinders are often thought of as street photography cameras. They allow you to anticipate the decisive moment and are so eminently displayed by the masters of street photography and war photography like Henri Cartier-Bresson, Elliot Erwitt, Alfred Eisenstadt, Robert Kappa, Lenny Riefenstahl and Sebastio Salgado, amongst many others. They all used rangefinders and appreciated the small size of the cameras compared to the TLRs and the large format cameras of their day. As a result, some of the most iconic images of the 20th century were captured using rangefinders. So if you think of the sailor kissing the nurse in Times Square on BJ Day, the fallen soldier from the Spanish Civil War, although I appreciate that was probably made up, the iconic shot of Che Guevara, the list goes on. And it's because of this historical provenance that rangefinder photography has, at least I feel, a certain cachet, a certain romance about it. So if rangefinders are so great, why aren't all 35mm cameras made this way? Well, for a long time they were, and names like Leica and Contax ruled the roost in the middle decades of the last century. However, the rangefinder mechanism often contains optics that are quite delicate and relatively expensive. So, also you can't really use a rangefinder with lenses longer than about 135mm. And so in the 1950s and 60s, the cheaper and more versatile SLRs started to take over. So what's the 35RC like to use? Well, basically it's fantastic. This is a wonderful little camera to carry around and snap away with. It's a charming way to take photographs when you're out and about. Whilst it isn't as flexible as a Leica, it is small and unobtrusive. And as you turn the focus ring, snap into focus, you can feel a little bit of that Henri Cartier-Bresson magic as you wait for your decisive moment. And what are the results? Well, like all of Maitani's creations, the lens is more than sharp enough and produces excellent images in decent light. But the limited exposure range probably means you won't be taking photos of candles in the dark or shooting fast film on bright days. Unfortunately, and perhaps unsurprisingly, they are not as well built as Leicas are alleged to be. I dropped one accidentally and managed to break the auto exposure. So I bought another one off eBay that turned out to be broken as well, so I returned it. I finally managed to get one with auto working. However, in working on this review, I tried to get the camera to fire in auto mode in decent light and it wouldn't. So I think that one's kaput as well. So it's now been added to my list of cameras that I'm going to try and fix one day. So it's best to check the auto exposure if you can before you buy. Of course, there's no problem if you're happy using manual exposure. Let's face it, you don't get any auto mode with a Leica M3 at any price. The other thing that's a bit awkward about the 35RC is the filter size, 43.5mm. Mike has talked about using filters for black and white photography, and like him, I'm trying to get back into the habit of using them again. However, most filters simply won't fit. Luckily, there are two bits of good news. The first is that there is a company in the UK called SRB Photographic who sell a range of 43.5mm filters. The second bit of good news is that the filters that fit my 35RC also fit my Olympus Trip and my Pen EE. So if you have several 1960s, 70s era Olympus compacts, you'll be quids in. Talking money, prices for the 35RC are creeping up, but if you keep an eye out, you should be able to get one online for a sensible price. By that, I mean about £50. And for that money, you can either have a camera that will satisfy most people's desires regarding rangefinders, or if you're really keen, help you decide if it's worth splashing the cash on a Leica M. All in all then, the Olympus 35RC is a great and inexpensive route into the magic and charm of rangefinder photography. I highly recommend it if you fancy go. Until the next time, stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Well, thank you, Mr. Malcolm Myers, for an excellent review of the Olympus 35RC. Uh, and actually, not not just of the 35RC, but uh, just rangefinders in general. Just a, a good overall kind of a, a little uh, crash course in uh, whether people should check out rangefinders in general, particularly that camera. Uh, I definitely also appreciate a little little Kentucky horse racing reference in there. N nice job, Malcolm. Nice job. Way to, uh, you know, uh, me. <laughs> Wait, way to please the host. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, rangefinders, man. I, I still need to have, I've talked about many times, I need to have rangefinder day. I have a bunch of rangefinder cameras. Well, not a bunch, like three maybe that I need to go shoot, including a, a Kodak Retina 
that, uh, that Mrs. Roxana Angles uh, sent me uh, back when the, one of the, after one of her first appearances on the show. Uh, just graciously sent me that. I can't wait to shoot that camera. It's a beautiful little camera. And uh, so, yeah, I need to I need to test out. I need to have rangefinder day and take like two or three of these rangefinders out and see if the process is for me. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a little like like I mentioned in the uh, the first segment with uh, Juan Alatori uh, uh, sending me a little help on focusing. I'm having some issues focusing some some SLRs in my in my life. <laughs> so maybe rangefinders would help my focusing issues. I don't know. I'm trying to uh, avoid gas uh, for a, a Leica M series rangefinder. <clears throat> kind of got my eye on a Leica M5 because uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, the the, the, uh, the kind of the Leica purists don't like it, which means that uh, <laughs> that maybe that's the camera for me since I already love the Leica R8, which is something else the Leica purists don't really care for. So maybe an M5 would be the perfect rangefinder for me. Again, though pricey though, so I, I need to have rangefinder day to see if I want to and uh, step up to a Leica. Uh, and, and get the uh, the like a rangefinder experience. Uh, I need to figure out just if rangefinder is for me. If it helps my focusing, uh, I do. I did schedule an eye doctor appointment, uh, getting an eye exam uh, next month. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe just some new glasses and some new contacts will uh, uh, help me with some of my focusing issues. Because I know my, my my eye eye prescription has has changed. So uh, uh, the joys of getting old, folks. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, th- thank you again, Malcolm Myers, so much for uh, your uh, your call-ins. I always love them, and I keep them coming, man. Like You do a great job with them. And uh, Malcolm, forgot to mention, but he is on Instagram at photovalve, photovalve, V-A-L-V-E. Uh, you can see Malcolm on Instagram. So thank you very much, sir. Okay, uh, it's about time to wrap this show up. Uh, I don't have any coffee donations to get to, so uh, we can move on to uh, listener music. Uh, selection. Uh, this this track, uh, the listener music track this time was going to come from none other than Mr. Mike Caputo, which is like, what is it, Aloha Big Mike uh, on Instagram. Uh, he uh, he has a, a, a little, uh, uh, some sea, some seafaring uh, <laughs> uh, uh, music coming at us uh, from his album Shanties I Heard. You're going to hear a uh, kind of a traditional seafaring track, I guess. I guess that's the right uh, definition for this, called All For Me Grog. Uh, so you'll hear that after I get out all the socials, uh, folks. I'm getting a little low on the listener music tracks. I got like f- maybe four left, I think. So if you happen to do any uh, any original music uh, in anywhere in your history of life, uh, please uh, send send those recordings on to uh, uh, onto me at the email address nagpositives at gmail.com, and I'll put them in the queue to get on the air. Every single listener music track that I've been sent has been is going to get played or has been played. So I always love hearing what other photographers are doing in the world of music because it's two uh, two worlds that I you know often uh, dabble in. So, uh, but there you go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so I guess we can go ahead and wrap the show up. Uh, our next guest next Monday is going to be none other than Mr. Mario Piper. Uh, he is from the Gen X Photography Podcast. If you haven't checked out that podcast, check him out. Uh, so I'm sure I'll put a link in the or a, uh, a thread in the Facebook group to ask uh, Mario some questions for that show. But that'll be our next guest, Mario Piper from the Gen X Photography Podcast. Okay, so let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, you can see my photography at Gutterman Photo on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. That's where you send your call-ins or your uh, original music tracks. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. We also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives, mostly ran by Mrs. Roxana Angles. If you submit photos to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives, and you can, uh, uh, and maybe Roxana will see it and highlight it for all of us to check out on that account. Uh, our coffee uh, uh, donation site, if you'd like to support this program, is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Uh, we also have uh, an, a merch store with overpriced t-shirts, uh, coffee mug, uh, some hats with the negative positives emblem on it. That is negativepositivespodcast.bigcartel.com. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, again, next you're going to hear Mike Caputo uh, from his album Shanties I Heard. All For Me Grog is the name of the track. And uh, you'll check that out in just a second here. Uh, folks, uh, it is well just uh, it's just now Valentine's Day has just ended as I'm recording this. Uh, I love you guys. 
that's my Valentine's to you. I love you all, man. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I hope everyone, uh, you know, had a loving, lovely uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, I think at the end of this, I'll put in a, at the very end, after uh, all the uh, ending music, I might put in a little uh, little love song for you guys. So uh, there you go. But uh, speaking of songs, uh, we're going to you're gonna need to hear my Caputo before you hear my, my trash. So... Uh, <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a great week. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Oh, for me grog, me jolly, jolly grog. Oh, for me beer and tobacco. Well, I spent all me ten on the lassies drinking gin. Across the western ocean I must wander. I'm sick in the head and I haven't been to bed since first I came ashore with me plunder. I've seen centipedes and snakes and my head is full of aches and I'll make a path for a way out yonder. Oh, for me grog, me jolly, jolly grog. It's all for my beer and tobacco. Well, I spent all me ten with the lassies drinking gin. Across the western ocean I must wander. Where is me wench, me noggy noggy wench? She's all gone for beer and tobacco. You see, her front it got worn out and her tail been kicked about. And I'm sure she's looking out for better weather. It's all for me grog, me jolly jolly grog. All gone for beer and tobacco Well, I spent all me ten on the lassies drinking gin Across the western ocean I must wander Where is me bed, me noggy noggy bed It's all gone for beer and tobacco You see, I sold it to a whore Boy, she was such a bore the sheets are looking out for better weather. It's all for me grog, me jolly jolly grog. All gone for beer and tobacco. Well, I spent all me ten on the lassies drinking gin. And now we're looking out for better weather. Where is me boots, me noggy noggy boots? They're all gone for beer and tobacco. You see, the soles were getting thin and the uppers letting in. The heels are looking out for better weather. It's all for me grog, jolly, jolly grog. All gone for beer and tobacco. Well, I spent all me ten on the lassies drinking gin. Across the western ocean I must wander. Where is me shirt? me noggy noggy shirt it's all gone for beer and tobacco you see the sleeves got worn out and the collars turned about and the tail's looking out for better weather it's all for me grog me jolly jolly grog all gone for beer and tobacco well i spent all me ten on the lassies drinking gin Across the western ocean I must wander Special.
to me as sweet as a honeybee but without the stinger and I don't know what I'd do without you now oh I think that you are so great Emotional love gets me nervous. I just don't know what I'd do without you. I just don't know what I'd do without you. Let's do a lot together, girl. This song's for you. Gutter Man Cave Production!